0: For you. I tell people, learning to fly is basically stepping up to the edge of the world and, and then putting a the foot out, stepping off. When you learn to fly aerobatics, not only you run up to the edge, you just keep running and jump right into the abyss, and it's just heaven on earth.
1: Wonder Woman You're listening to the Wonder Women of Aviation, a podcast that helps preserve the history of women in aviation and highlights women involved in aviation. Each episode we meet with women, both in and out of the cockpit, to talk about their passions, experiences, the history of aviation, and how they make an impact. So strap in and hang on tight as we soar through the skies with these wonder women of aviation.
0: The following podcast is presented for entertainment purposes and should not be used as flight instruction. The comments, opinions, and discussions provided by guests are their own. Please consult your own CFI for flight instruction, knowledge, and AC immersion.
1: On today's episode of Wonder Women in Aviation podcast, we are speaking with Jackie Warda of Jackie B Airshows. Jackie is an experienced airshow pilot who has been performing aerobatics for over 19 years. We will talk about aerobatics how she got started, and her powerful Extra 300. So strap in, hang on tight, and learn more about how she flips her Extra 300 upside down and right side up. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. Jackie, thank you. I want to introduce everyone to you, and I want to thank you for taking
0: the time to speak with me. Happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Jackie, for those that haven't had the pleasure of meeting you or experiencing your routine, how would you describe um, who you are or your performance?
0: I fly a monoplane. I'm a single performer, so I don't share the air with anybody. I'm a solo performer. And I'm flying a very high-performance monoplane, which basically has one wing. And I fly what I consider an aggressive yet... um, I don't know, aggressive but but uh very flowing kind of an air show. I'm not the most aggressive pilot out there. I'm not pulling 200 Gs at a time and um, I started 20 years ago. I was way more aggressive than I've backed off a lot on the Gs and so so now I fly what I consider a mediumly aggressive just an a entertaining swoopy kind of, you know, um, entertainment of Airplanes in the sky. I flip the airplane upside down and around, and I do all kinds of very cool flippy things and then turn around and and come back and do it all again. And it's um, about 10 minutes of pure joy for me in the sky. Hopefully it's very entertaining to everyone who's watching from the ground.
1: Oh, absolutely. I've seen you perform, and oh, my gosh. I'm like, how does she do that? I mean, I think you are absolutely amazing. Whoa! Oh, wow, you flew magnificently. Definitely inspiring. Since you started out with the machine, your aircraft, uh, so you mm-hmm. fly an ex, uh, extra 300. It's red, which is one of my favorite colors. Absolutely. I think every airplane has a story. I know my husband, he, um, he's an show pilot. You know Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, he told me his story of when he purchased the plane and all the you know just struggles behind it. So, can you tell me a little bit more about the story of the plane, um, yes. paint scheme, and all that fun stuff?
0: Well, like your husband, I started in a pit special, a little biplane, because it was very affordable back 20-some years ago, and many, many people that do what we do started in. A smaller airplane that is more affordable because it's very expensive and not a lot of people have all kinds of money to throw away into airplanes. So, after 12 years of that, I graduated to what I have now. It's it was considered quite a step up. The extra 300 was built almost exclusively. For aerobatic com- competitors in the world, and competition aerobatics is completely different from airshow. Although it's still just aerobatic flying, uh, just a different nature. So Walter Extra in Germany built this aircraft that was more capable, stronger, um, way more performance than all the little biplanes most of us were flying early on. So his answer. To the competition in the airshow world was the extra 300, and there's quite a few models out now. So it's very high performance compared to a smaller biplane, and it's a real step up because it's the design of the aircraft lets lets it do more tumbles just in a different way with way more energy, and um, it's just um, it's just a very high performance aircraft designed for aerobatics. They're not designed for a cross-country, comfortable, you know, walk-around kind of cabin. It It's designed to go straight up and straight down. Of course, we fly them across country, but it's not the most comfortable airplane to do that in because the design is for aerobatics almost exclusively. So I made the step up back in 2011 to an extra 300 and never looked back.
1: Oh wow, that's amazing! I, you know,
0: I'm partial to the pits. That's nice. <laughs> oh, I am too. Still, if I had the money, I'd still have another pit. Really? I'd have both. Yeah, oh God, it's the pits is like it's like putting on a jacket and and then putting your arms out and taking off. You actually can wear a pit, and it's and I say that because when you're flying it, it feels like it's part of you because it's much smaller than what I'm flying now. It just becomes a part of you, and once you reach that point where you are one with the airplane, it's literally like strapping it on, and you put your arms out and you're flying it's It's hard to describe that <laughs> ask your husband if you can if you can describe it better, it's pretty difficult to do because it's it's just not something you can experience on the ground you know it, oh, yeah. there's nothing like it.
1: You know, I think Patrick mentioned, he's like, I can tell exactly. Like He actually did say that. He's like, I'm one with my plane. I can feel everything that's going on. I know Mm -hmm. when something's wrong. Oh, yeah. It's interesting you say that. It's kind of like a little, yeah, extension of who you are. Exactly. Learning to fly. So I know you started to learn um, towards the later part of your Mm -hmm. career. Um, I believe I read or saw in 1986, you started when you were 32, but can you yes. talk about, you know, how you didn't really go the traditional route, what that process looks like?
0: Yes. I came from a fairly poor family, and there just was no money for college, so I literally graduated high school and went to work. And my father at the time worked for McDonnell Douglas Aircraft, so my entire young life, I'd been around airplanes, either sitting in them or being at the airport with my father. And there was no money for anything extra, so I went to work, and I really wanted to learn to fly ever since I was a little girl, but didn't speak much of it, because I lived in a world where women didn't fly. There just were no examples of women. There were no, there just weren't women out there flying airplanes, and I remember thinking that I knew I could fly an airplane if I just got a chance, but when I realized how expensive it was, that was just very prohibitive when I was young, so I thought, okay, go to work, start saving your money. And then throughout that process of going to work when I was 18 and finding out how expensive flying was, not only was I working two and three jobs most of my life just to pay for flying, but the real, the real hurdle was I was afraid I wasn't smart enough to learn to fly an airplane. I didn't go to college, and in those days I grew up thinking that if you didn't have a college education, you were not smart, and at the same time thinking – because I didn't have a college education and I was a girl, I probably wasn't smart enough to fly airplanes because if girls could fly airplanes, they'd be out there doing it, and there just weren't any. And so I struggled with the I, – I, I tried to convince myself that I could do it, but I was afraid of failing. So year after year after year, I wanted to fly airplanes, but I was afraid to try. And I finally woke up one morning. It was a Tuesday morning. And I decided that I was tired of hearing myself say I wish I could fly an airplane. I just had to try. That Tuesday night, I, I walked in to a classroom at the airport and started ground school, scared to death and so afraid of failing, yet I was more afraid of going my whole life and not trying to find out if I was smart enough. And the rest is history. And it turns out not only was I smart enough, I was smarter than every guy in the class. Of course, I was the only girl. I got the highest grade on the written test. And to this day, I believe that women make excellent pilots. And the airplane doesn't know who's flying it, so it doesn't matter. If you can learn the skill, you can be a good pilot. The airplane doesn't know better. So women need to dispel that myth that because there are more men flying, maybe that means that women can't do it, which is total bunk, total bunk. (laughs) women can true. learn anything and
1: i can fly no
0: you can't
1: <laughs> yes i can you can't 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 can. tell you i could fly around this room with my eyes closed oh a so common theme is you know people don't think or a lot of women believe that you're know, not smart enough and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm, I'm you know the more i speak with women that are in the field it's a common theme so interesting it is it. well yeah. i just
0: think that uh depending on where you grow up and the family you grow into and your the influences that you have throughout your life, if you don't come from a, a place where people encourage you to do whatever, if you're not from an encouraging group of you will succumb to your fears. If you want to do something that, that, that might be a little bit out of the mainstream, you're going to be fearful of it simply because there aren't too many like you doing it therefore there must be a reason why no more women aren't doing it which is not really true but it's a fear that a lot of people succumb to unless somebody steps up and say hey that doesn't matter if you want to do it you go learn you work hard and one day you'll wake up and you can do it it doesn't matter what it is you got to learn you got to work hard and you wake up one day being able to do what it is you want to do. You've inspired me to just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the that's the biggest battle is is getting started, and overcoming the fear of failure. Which, of course, once you fail, or when you fail ten times, you get stronger in that ability to fail. It's no longer the thing that stops you. It's the thing that actually propels you. Once you fail enough times and survive it and start again and have a couple little successes. With every failure, it's not the big deal that it used to be. So failure is part of success. If you don't fail, you have no impetus for getting off the ground and getting up and going back at it. If if it's doing its job, it does. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about the transition. You started um, learning to fly, and uh, you – Transition from traditional flying to aerobatic flying. So mm-hmm. I know that like takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. So um, for those that are listening that are possibly interested in becoming an aer- uh, aerobatic air show pilot or just learning aerobatics, like, what steps do they need to take? What
0: advice can you give? The first step is get in the airplane and go try it. So for me, it happened quite by accident. I was a new pilot. I had my private pilot's license not very long. I was flying a little 150, Came home, put the airplane away, and a friend of mine on the airport there was pulling out his pit special. He had a two place pit. And he yelled over me, he says, Come go fly with me. He says, I'm just gonna go out and play. So I put my airplane away and I jumped at the chance and I had never been in his airplane before. I had never done any aerobatics. I hadn't even had spin training as a private pilot. So I jumped in, eager to go and we took off and we got away from the airport and he said, Are you ready? and I of course, I said, of course, but I had no idea what I was ready for. So <laughs> he did a roll, and I remember—I can remember, it just as I said, like it happened yesterday, I was so excited, my eyes were big as saucers, and I said, do it again. So he rolled the airplane again, and I said, oh, my God, do it again. <laughs> it's just And then he said, how about we do a loop? I said, well, I don't know what that is, but do it. And so we did a loop, and I again said, oh, my God, do that again. And I kept saying, do it again and again and again, and I just thought, I have just died and gone to heaven. And the biggest reason that it was so exciting to me was that for so many years, I had dreamt of being a pilot. And when I actually got my private pilot's license, I was somewhat depressed because I was bored in the airplane. You take off and you sit there and you do nothing and you wait for a landing. When everything is going correctly, there is nothing to do but sit there and look around. The flying part is exciting, but I thought it would be more hair on fire every second of the flight. And I came to find out that it wasn't. I mean, it was was
1: beautiful and
0: serene, it was quiet, it was really exciting, but it wasn't the end-all cure-all that I thought flying would be. I was very bored between takeoff and landing. And when we took this aerobatic flight, my first aerobatic flight, from takeoff to landing, we were busy doing loops and rolls and all kinds of stuff. And for the first time in my life, I thought, this is exactly what I was born to do. There is now something to do with the airplane between the takeoff and the landing. If you're not on fire, there is nothing to do between takeoff and landing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so now all of a sudden I thought, this is what I thought flying would be like. And I was instantly hooked. And that was 1987. Wow. I was instantly hooked. And I thought, how many more jobs do I have to work in my seven days every week to afford to do this? And it was a lot. It, uh, You know, flying became very expensive once you go from, from flying, you know, a small trainer. Now to do aerobatics, I went from about $50 an hour to $300 an hour. So, of course, it took a long time before I had enough money to afford that. But it was just an instant transition. And I've talked to more people who have said they've had a similar experience. It literally is you either love it or you hate it. There's no in-between. There's no gray area, I don't think. And mm-hmm. if you have an opportunity to go upside down, if you love it, it'll be the, the greatest thing you've ever done in your life. And then and then the the best news is if you can afford it, you can keep doing it forever and ever. And yeah. that's what I'm doing. I actually did have the experience
1: of going upside down. Mine was not so pleasant.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I got in the pits. Uh, it was actually mm-hmm. with Billy, Billy Worth. With Billy?
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: I was like, I want to feel what Patrick feels, what my husband feels. Like, show me. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. yeah. So we did, <laughs> I think we did a roll. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay.
0: <laughs> and then like
1: halfway into, <laughs> halfway into it, I'm like, I think we need to land because yeah. it's just, I mean, I just started to feel the nausea. It yeah. was fun. Yeah. I wasn't as scared as I thought I would be,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I think it was just the feeling. My body wasn't yeah. in jive with my mind.
0: <laughs> well, and, and that, that that happens for a lot of people. There's not a lot of people that are going to instantly love aerobatics. It's a very, very extreme way to fly. It is. You, you look at women who are such a small percentage of pilots in the world, First of all, it's just a huge leap for them to have the courage to even learn to fly. And it's just an a, a just a monumental, huge additional leap to jump into aerobatics. It's just not for most women. It's so extreme that the number of women who are going to love it is is even smaller yet. So it's it's not surprising that very few women fly aerobatics because it is such an extreme step. I tell people learning to fly is basically stepping up to the edge of the world and and then putting a foot out and stepping off when you learn to fly aerobatics not only do you run up to the edge you just keep running and jump right into the abyss and it's just heaven on earth you, know, you, know, you absolutely can't get enough of it and that's a very small percentage of people so i don't expect most people to love it like i did but when they do it's all they can talk about because <laughs> it's it's just all encompassing it's 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 just everything for me.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned um, not many women are involved in aerobatics. Who were some of your mentors, both male or female, that you looked up to when you wanted to get into this business?
0: Well, I haven't. Sadly, I haven't had very many mentors, and part of that is that. Again, when I was learning to fly back in the 80s, there, there just weren't a lot of people who were very excited about women flying, and, and, and that happened to be just the people around me. I don't mean that the whole world was against us, but I just didn't run into too many people, and, and most of my very encouraging friends were all men because they were the pilots at the airport I was flying at. So my, my mentors and my encouraging group of people were mostly men. They were older men who had been flying most of their life, and they thought it was just really cute that I wanted to learn to fly. And it, was, it just wasn't something they, they took very seriously, but they loved having me around because I was the novelty. And But growing up in the world of flying, <clears throat> I had read a book that Patty wrote, and I had seen her fly once or twice, and I thought, well, if she can do it, why can't I? Hmm. But to be honest with you, the mentors I had have all been met. There hasn't been a single female that I've met in my life who stepped up and offered encouragement it was all the men in my world mm. sadly that's the truth yeah. but it, it <laughs> has happened surf. that way and and after every day that i've been a pilot i've tried to make make that not the norm in my world meaning every time i meet another woman who wants to fly i will do na- anything to encourage them and i don't want them to grow up having the experiences I had. I want other women to see that women can fly or just, you know, somebody to just say, of course you can learn to fly. Of course you can fly that. Why can't you? I can't even think of a good reason why you can't. (laughs) I mean, I can't. There is no good reason why anyone who wants to learn to fly can't learn to fly.
1: Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Sometimes you just need a little push or someone just, like, cheering you on, a little cheerleader. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I know I need that because, you know, you do have the self-doubt and you mm-hmm. question a lot of things. So, yeah, it's, it's that's so the, the truth, the reality, but.
0: The questioning and the self-doubt, that all goes along with it. But in yeah. addition to that, somebody needs to just kind of nudge you and, and mm-hmm. make you take that step. And once you take the step, then the instant realization is, oh, this isn't so bad. I didn't die. Here I go. <laughs> take an <evening. laughs> take another thing. step. <laughs> take another step. I'm still alive. Well, okay, this is pretty cool. And then, and your confidence grows with every step you take.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree with you. Um, I know, so you didn't start, like, immediately going into air shows. I want to talk a little bit about um, you Uh were part of the IAC and you did competition for a a little while, and then you Uh were part of the Reno Air Races. Do you feel, or, you know, can you talk about those experiences, and how do you feel those experiences help you become a better performer?
0: Every time I flew an airplane, I learned something, and I've been flying for over 30 years, and I can think I can think back when I first learned to fly that I thought, oh, my God, I'll never be able to learn all this information. Well, of course, it takes a lifetime to learn it all, and my expectation was that I would learn it all immediately, which I've come to find out is wrong. But the, the steps that I took, once I got my license and then got introduced to aerobatics, my whole world was, you know, I was going down a road that included aerobatics. So I looked in. I needed a coach. I needed somebody to help me learn to fly the aerobatics. And I, I found Wayne Hanley, who was now a retired airshow pilot, and he trained me. I flew with him four or five times a day every week for probably three, four years, and he encouraged me to go into competition. Competition aerobatics. If you're a bystander watching, it's like watching paint dry. But if you are yeah. if you're actually uh, show up at the contest, it's a contest like anything. And if you show up to a contest, in the back of your mind, you think, I could win this. And so we show up thinking, I can fly well. I could win this. You don't go to a competition thinking, oh, I'm not going to win this. The only reason you go to a competition is to compete with the, the slim chance that maybe I could win this. So that planning and the preparing for a contest, you have to go out and fly and fly and fly. And the the thing that pushes you to go to a competition is to learn how to do every figure as perfectly as possible. So if you train properly, every time you fly, you are striving for perfection. And there isn't anything I can think of that doesn't make you a better person or a better pilot than constantly striving to do each figure perfectly. Because down the road, yes, I want to win. I I don't always win. I've won a couple times. But the training is what's valuable. It forces you to try to do perfect figures. And when you're flying aerobatics, which is certainly not mainstream, the better you do it, the longer you're going to live. And it teaches you a very healthy respect for where the ground is. The idea is that, You want to stay in the air. You do not want to hit the ground because that's probably going to hurt. So the more you strive for perfection, the better your chances are of not hitting the ground. So everything you do should be a learning experience to keep you alive and keep you down the path of being a better pilot. So competition for four years, the training forced me to strive for perfection. How can that be a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. So, One thing led to another, my coach, who was a retired airshow pilot at the time, after, I want to say, about three or four years of of training with him, he called me one day and said, so are you ready to fly an airshow? And I said to my, I mean, there was this long silence, I thought. And I finally said to him, I said, well, if you're asking me if I'm ready, you must think I'm ready. He says, well, you'll probably do okay. I mean, he was kind of (laughs) tongue-in-cheek, but I said, well, let's talk about it. I hadn't considered it because I never thought about doing air shows. I was busy wrapped up in competition. I was so excited. It just was so much fun doing aerobatics. I hadn't given much thought down the road and I was still working full time. So mm-hmm. when he made the suggestion, we talked about it and he says, "Well, let's let's start learning how to fly air shows." And so one of our first training sessions he Took me in his airplane, showed me a few maneuvers, and then he said, now I want you to go up and you're going to learn to do these. I'm going to watch you from the ground, talk to you, and you're going to go out and take your airplane and go do these things. So being scared to death, I jump in my <sighs> airplane. I jump out there and I get out there and I'm flying around up there. And he keys up to mic. He says, I'm waiting. I knew what to do. I just was afraid to try. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of what the tum He wanted me to learn to tumble the airplane, which is different from competition. There's no tumbling in competition. So mm-hmm. learning to fly airshow-type flying, I had to learn to tumble the airplane. So I knew what to do. I kept flying back and forth and he kept keying up the mic. He says, I don't have all day. I'm waiting. So I finally <laughs> flew through the box and I thought, okay, it's now or never. And I threw the stick in one direction and stabbed rudder and I did my first tumble. And It was like an epiphany. I didn't die. I did okay. The airplane continued to fly. And it was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So all it took was that first tumble to convince me that several things were going to happen. If I did what he told me, I would get the tumble that I wanted, and the airplane would keep flying, and I didn't die. So... All, so you turn around and come back and do it again. It just takes that first step. Mm-hmm. Once I took that first step, learning to tumble the airplane was 10 times, a hundred times more exciting than flying competition. I thought, wow, this, now this is really flying aerobatics. So a good, oh, probably a year of that. And I flew an air show for the first time, a small little air show in California. Mm-hmm. And come to find out many of his students started at this, Little, it was a small winery uh, in the Monterey Valley and they once a year had a big luncheon and, and they called Wayne and said we need some entertainment over here so they created this little air show at this winery and that was my first air show we flew for wine we all got a case of wine <laughs> and <it> was our, <laughs> that was my first air show and and then again the rest is history I just kept learning more and more and more and this is year 19 for me flying air shows. Wow, 19 years! Oh what a way to start. <laughs> we'll, yeah.
1: We'll fly for wine. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: never forget that first. I'll never forget that first tumble. I'll never forget that first air show. Oh, I was scared to death, but <laughs> I had enough encouragement. I went out there and I did what I knew to do, and I didn't die. And I thought. <laughs> and then, and getting paid with a case of wine, I thought, okay. Next time I might actually get money. And I did. Thank <laughs> <No, laughs> you. So, sure. I yeah. can relate to that. <laughs> yep. Money is always better. But um mm. Hey, you'll take what you can get at the <laughs> time. Exactly. That's that's kinda how that started. And no, all these you. years later.
1: Tune in next time for part two of our Jackie B interview on the Wonder Woman of Aviation Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others or post about it on social media. And the wonders you can do.
0: Make a double, stop a-